0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. Well, MLB's annual winter meetings, the first ones in person in about three years, have come and gone. So let's recap all the moves and deals that the Marlins made while everyone was out in San Diego. Well, that just about covers it. Did you get all that? Good. Well, on a serious note, it was a quiet few days on the West Coast from a transaction standpoint for the Marlins. They didn't sign a free agent. They didn't make any trades. Yes, they kicked the can on a few prominent players who are out in the free agent market, but in all, at the end, nothing materialized. Meanwhile, just about all the big playmakers in the leagues made moves. But for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to focus on Focused in particular on those three teams from the NLEs, those three top teams in the East: the Braves, the Phillies, the Mets. And obviously we have to start with the Mets and Steve, Steve Cohen's endless supply of blank checks, because when you just look at everything they've done over the past week and a half, Justin Verlander, two years, 86.7 million. Brandon Nimmo returning on eight year, $162 million deal. They signed pitcher Kodai Senga from Japan for five years and seventy-five million, on top of the posting for the posting fee for him. Uh, Jose Quintana, another pitcher, two years, twenty-six million. David Robertson, reliever, one year, ten million, and that's on top of back at the very beginning of spring of the offseason when they re-signed Edwin Diaz to a five-year, hundred and two million dollar deal. Uh, if you look at the Phillies: Trey Turner, eleven years, three hundred million. Right-handed pitcher Taiwan Walker, four years and $72 million. And left-handed reliever Matt Stram for two years and $15 million. And then the Braves, yes, quiet relative to the Phillies and the Mets, but they still beefed up by acquiring right-handed reliever Joe Jimenez at the very end of winter meetings to help replace Kenley Jensen. And then just on Monday were part of a three-team trade that got them Oakland- the Oakland A's catcher, Sean Murphy, which now you pair him with Travis Darno, and you have arguably the best one-two catcher duo in Major League Baseball at this point. So three teams, two of which had 100 wins and made the playoffs. The third made it as the final card team and made it all the way to the World Series. They're all getting better. They're all paying. You look at the three of them specifically, they're all among the top seven in projected payrolls for the 2023 season at this point, according to fan graphs. The Mets at this point, and we all know they're probably not done spending yet because, well, it's the Mets and we've seen what they've done the last couple of years. Their payroll already is at an absurd $335 million, and that's not even including all the taxes they're going to have to pay for going over every single competitive balance tax threshold. At that point, if you look at, at what they have with the $335 million plus all the taxes, they're basically paying about $400 million right now at the field, the roster they have at this point. The Phillies are in four are have the fourth highest payroll right now, two hundred and thirty million, more than a hundred million less than what the Mets are projected to have right now. The Braves are seventh at one hundred and ninety six million. The Marlins they're all the way down at twenty third with a projected ninety five million dollar payroll, and this projection includes. Or in this salary number includes projections for players who are either in arbitration or players who are in team control and not at arbitration yet, and their salaries have yet to be determined. Pre arb guys, for the most part, make the league minimum, which I believe is about 720000 this year. The Marlins have about 10 guys who are due for arbitration their numbers are probably going to be the most for the most part those guys are going to make end up making less than their projections so that'll shave some some off of the 95 projection and it's also worth noting these projections aren't don't necessarily mean this is the amount of money the Marlins are paying all of their players it's especially for guys when you look at those guys who have the guaranteed contracts the obviously is the Jorge Solares the Sandy Alcantara's, uh, Miguel Rojas and Richard Blyer are the others who have guaranteed deals for the salary purposes for the payroll purpose MLB goes off average annual value so how much money on average for a deal so if you look at Sandy Alcantara his deal is five years 56 million that's an average annual value of 11.2 million so for the sake of the 2023 payroll For MLB's tracking, when it comes to teams coming up towards the luxury tax numbers, the committed balance tax numbers, Sandy Alcantara is being put in at 11.2 million. His actual contract for this year is 6.3 million. So he's actually, for the payroll hit, Sandy Alcantara's hit is actually 5 million more than he's getting. But on the flip side of that equation, when he gets to the final two years of his deal, which are worth 17.3 million a piece, it's still only going to count as the eleven point two. So if Sandy Alcantara is still here in 2025, 2026, when he's supposed to be making 17.3, the Marlins are actually going to be paying 6 million more for each of those years than what it's going to show on the salary cap on the payroll. So that's something to factor in, in there but even at that they're still under 100 million for their projection they're still far behind basically all of the te- the majority of the teams that made the playoffs and of course it's not impossible to win with a lower payroll we've seen it done before the rays are obviously the shining example of that you've seen cleveland do it saw what baltimore did last year they were just on the cusp of the playoffs they're looking like they're going to be fringe wildcard team again this year and they have a low payroll But what it does mean is that the reliance on player development, which, as we've seen at least on the position player side, has been a struggle for the Marlins, becomes that much more important. As does the necessity to hit on basically every move that they make, every decision that they make, the free agent signings that they're going to make that they make before opening day, the trades they make before opening day, the decision to call up prospect, the decisions mid season that's a trade deadline, what they do to improve the roster if they feel like they're in contention. Everything gets analyzed and becomes more of a focal point for a team with a lower payroll because they can't afford to miss. If you miss, you're stuck with you're stuck with the miss. If you if you're a team like the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, even the Padres, what they're doing right now. If you have a guy with a, a big contract and things don't work out, you can push him to the side and start figuring out what other options you have if you're a team like the Marlins who aren't committing the dollars to the roster, you have to, you have to use what you have at your disposal. And that in and of itself puts the Marlins in a tricky situation because we know they're not going to match the payrolls of any of those teams that have been the big spenders this off season. They're just not. We've seen it over the course of these past five years under the Bruce Sherman ownership group. They're just, they haven't, they say they're going to spend, but we don't see them competing with all of these other powerhouses, which forces them to resort to the B pool or the C pool of free agents or have to go the trade route in order to make their moves in order to try to enhance the roster. But in that same vein, the Marlins have said they're in win now mode entering year six of the Sherman ownership group and the first year under new manager, Skip Schumacher. Normally a team that's in win now mode is going to be doing what they need to do to fix its weaknesses. For the Marlins, that primarily means beefing up the offense. And unless you factor in the handful of players who they've signed the minor league deals and the couple prospects they've gotten in trades, they haven't done anything yet. And that's not to say that they've been idly sitting on their hands. The Marlins did make an offer to first baseman Jose Abreu. The, from what Harold's been able to report, it was two years, $40 million. He ended up going to the Astros for three years and sixty. They pursued first baseman Josh Bell who ended up going to the Cleveland guardians for two years and 33 million. They discussed going after outfielder Cody Bellinger, who signed with the Chicago Cubs for one year and 17 and a half million. But these discussions and being in play and trying to get guys is nice, but if they want to be competitive, they've got to start sealing deals. They have to actually make movement and have something, ta- something tangible, something physical, a deal, a something, anything to actually show for the work that they say they are doing behind the scenes. Whether any of that materializes, we'll see. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at BankofAmerica.com slash talk to us. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. But on that note, where do the Marlins go from here? Well, the first and foremost thing, and it's something that the Marlins are going to preach for these next few months, is they still have a few months to make moves. Opening day isn't until March 30th. They have about two months until spring training starts and players have to start reporting to Jupiter. But with that, time is still ticking. Uh, On the free agent side, they have extended an offer to former Dodgers infielder Justin Turner. He's a free agent after the Dodgers declined his $16 million option. And with the pool that is there, that is left in terms of free agents, and with the what the price ranges of players that we've seen the Marlins trying to pursue. He's probably the last big name guy out there in the Marlins price range for them to pursue. Whether anything does come out of their deal and the reports we've been getting is that it, they did give a competitive offer. Although you don't have the exact numbers right now is to be determined beyond that moves are likely going to have to come from the trade market Uh, discussed outfielder, Brian Reynolds earlier when he requested a trade from the Pittsburgh Pirates, right, right as winter meetings were starting, but Pirates, as they have for the last last year or so, their offer is extremely high. They don't want to move on to from him unless they absolutely have to. So that option for right now is likely shelved unless the axing price drops. Uh, Baltimore Orioles still, to me, seem like a very logical option, whether it's for starting field, standard fielder Cedric Mullins or whether it's for their top outfielder prospect, Colton Cowser. The number five overall pick from the 2021 draft, who in just his first full season of pro ball, he played about 30 games after he got drafted in 21 and then a full season this year, already made up the AAA uh, career, 895 OPS and 170 minor league games. He, if they did end up going with Kowser, the Kowser route, he likely wouldn't need to start in AAA, but would be a guy who looks like a quick, a fast riser. And again, Baltimore, they're looking for starting pitching. And if the right deal can be made, the Marlins have starting pitching to offer. Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers, Edward Cabrera, if they need to, are all options in that that discussion. We would see where the Marlins go. Again, Pablo Lopez finally pitched a full season last year, first time in his MLB career. He's under team control for two more years. Trevor Rogers... Two year a year removed from his National League Rookie of the Year runner-up season, struggled last year, but he's a lefty with four years control, a lot of upside. And when it comes to which pitchers are Marlins Trey, it's depending on what the teams want. If you look at Pablo Lopez, he probably has a higher floor than Trevor Rogers, but Trevor Rogers has the higher ceiling. He's a lefty who could possibly be a number two in a rotation. Pablo feels like at the worst is going to be a number four on a decent rotation. And other teams where the Marlins can pursue, got to look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, the Athletics, Ken Rosenthal reported a couple days ago that the Diamondbacks are likely to trade one of their left-handed hitting center fielders. That group includes Dalton Farshaw, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy. Those are That's another avenue Miami can explore if they're looking through the trade route. See what the, I mean, at the very least, you got to give the Diamondbacks a call and see what they're asking for, for any of those three guys. And it all goes back to the same question. Guess There are options on the table. There are moves for the taking. Will the Marlins make those moves? We'll see opening days, three and a half months away guys. So the clock is ticking. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Just a really quick one, because again, wasn't much to actually rehash over moves that were made because not many moves were made. Uh, We'll be back again at some point before this before the year ends. Uh, whether that's next week or the week after is to be determined depending on what the Marlins do. Uh, with that, thanks so much again for tuning in and have a good one, everyone.